0: Welcome to the Surveyor Hub podcast, brought to you by Blue Box Partners, the only show dedicated to small business residential surveyors and valuers, created by surveyors for surveyors. In every episode, you'll learn something new about the vibrant and thriving industry of residential surveying. We don't mind what flavor of surveyor you are or what level of experience you might have. If you're in the business of helping people with their homes this is the community for you. Great so welcome to the podcast Nick Hansen from Vospers really pleased to have you here today.
1: Good afternoon to you as well. (laughs)
0: Yeah so I was really interested we met a couple of years ago very briefly at an event and I noticed there were a number of female surveyors Either hovering around your your stand or working for you, and I thought, oh, it's a name I'll just bank for the future. Yes. Um, tell us a little bit about your business, where you're based, the kind of work that you do.
1: Yes, certainly. We, um, yes, if I remember, we actually Graham Ellis actually introduced us about.
0: Uh, that's three, right. Uh, yes.
1: At, uh, one of the well, I think the first of our um, trade shows. Well, let's call it that. <laughs> yeah, it, Vospers is um, well. Give you a bit of background myself. I've been a self employed surveyor so since 1991, uh, having come out of uh, being a partner of Chesterton's in those days. And uh, over the years, I'm afraid you, you know, uh, when running a small business, you have to uh, reinvent yourself from time to time, especially if um, we, you know, y- y- you spend as much time as I've been spending in the market uh, seeing the, uh, both the ups and downs. In <laughs> Vospers is what, uh, I said, it's, it's the business I've put together where I'm going to make sure I don't make any of the mistakes I ever made before. And so far into year 14, and um, we're sort of, um, I, th- I think it's going better than I expected. But uh, you know, the thing about anyone who's in small business is you, you, you cannot um, sit on your laurels because, you know every, you know, you don't know what's around the corner. I mean, beginning of this year... We'd just um, uh, been uh, appointed, well, we've won a big contract from Heathrow Airport to do the valuation for the uh, runway extension there. And we thought, fantastic, this is going to be a massive year for expansion and so on and so forth. And and here we are. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I drove past there the other day, and I don't think we'll need another runway for many, many years. (laughs) Yeah,
0: but uh, but, a tumbleweed, Uh,
1: yeah. (laughs) There's a lot of that, yes, absolutely. But uh, to answer your question, I mean, uh, back in... um, it's it's odd, really, isn't it? I mean, I originally started my life as a, as a boat builder, and I moved into surveying. Uh, but uh, and as a consequence, I I knew the uh, the name Vosper's because in their time they were the biggest um, boat and ship builders for the Royal Navy. And one of those quirks I've had over the years is I do tend to sort of, if I see a business name or a business uh, a company, I do I, I tend to sort of just buy them, <laughs> you know, if I get them cheaply, you know. And this is very cheap uh because uh, the day I sort of uh, uh, got Vosper, so literally I found that Vosper Thornycroft at that time had become part of British Aerospace, and um, uh, they decided to get rid of the name. And that was in the FT that day. So I thought I'd just have a quick look at, in the uh, company's house, see whether you know it's available. Vosper's was available. I bought it straight away for sixty-four quid, and um, then I just really just put it on the side because at that time I was a, a director of Allied Surveyors and. Uh, I was concentrating on working with them, but uh, ultimately we then sort of went to the, came through the great financial crash and um, there was very many alterations. And um, so uh, I suppose at that point, I started bringing Vospers Limited out of the woodwork and um, starting building again. And for many years, I think until about, I'll say many years, from certainly about 2000 and probably 2009 to 2011, I was just on my own, working from the, the back of the house around the corner, and then, um, <laughs> then I, I suppose it just started building from there. One or two little sort of uh, you know rules, like uh, I, I wouldn't borrow any money. I make sure it's uh, cash in, cash out, and, uh, and that was uh, a godsend because you know, surprise, surprise, if you don't borrow money in a business, it's amazing how far one pound goes. You know, it's, um, it, it, it sort of just really well from there, and then part part of Well, one of the the problem of the great financial crash is an awful lot of surveyors left the profession. And certainly in this area, perhaps the biggest competition decided to uh, retire. To give you some idea, I'm actually based in Farnham in Surrey, Um, at least that's where the head office is. And from there, it just sort of uh, rolled on, rolled on and just grew. And um, then in 2006, I was lucky enough to um, be uh, chosen, or 2016, sorry, I was Lucky enough to uh, be chosen to do the Goldman Sachs small business, uh, 10,000 small businesses scheme, and uh, from there we agreed on a fairly big expansion plan, and that's when the business went from just being about three of us to, until this year, it did get up to 14. (laughs) So, so in a nutshell, that's where we are at the moment. What what do we do? Well, the the the, the vast amount of uh, the business is uh, residential surveying. We are on one or two panels, but we we aren't really doing a lot of work with them at the moment. We do a lot of commercial work, and certainly over the last three years, I've um, retrained as an expert witness practitioner, and uh, get a lot of um, interesting expert witness work coming through, which can range from defending people for Japanese knotweed claims to negligence claims to a lot of matrimonial disputes, which can be pretty hard work actually, but. Uh, I don't know whether that's really. Oh yes, and uh, I, I shouldn't forget that. Uh, having sort of grown the business, we've, uh, this this year we actually acquired a, a firm in Knightsbridge, uh, Friend and Fork, and um, we're just in the process of integrating that. So, so we now have a major office in Central London, head office in Farnham, outlying uh, a small outlying office in Reading, and another one in uh, uh, Horsham. So, it's it's grown, but I've kept uh, made sure that I've kept the. Uh, costs as low as I can. And um, as I say, you know, just hoping that we don't actually hit a, as bad a recession as I think we are going to hit, you know.
0: Yeah, you know, on the one hand, I, what I'm hearing is actually it's been quite a difficult journey mm. and up and down to, to get where you are. But at the same time, you make, you know, I'll just buy a property. Yeah, a, a business. You know, I'll just buy Vosper's for sixty-four <laughs> pound. You know, you make it, you make it sound so easy so easy. Let me ask you uh, about that. So, what's? How, let me, let me come back. So, you at the start, you said you were a boat builder. How did you get into surveying? What made you want to be a surveyor?
1: Well, it's uh, bizarrely actually. This is my, my son actually has just qualified as a surveyor as well, and he spent uh, a few years after college. Uh, he, he, he decided not to build yachts or, 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 or um, dinghies in my case, he, he decided to do row, uh, rowing boats and was I think um, the, the chief boatman at Eton sometime. But, uh, funny how you know generations follow each other but it was the money I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in, in, in those days uh, and uh, we are talking uh, oh gosh, uh, well, I've been I've been qualified now for just, now f- just short of 40 years so and those days, the um, boat building business wasn't really sort of going to, well, you could make money if you were, were with one of the old families in Norfolk, where Richard come from. But the truth of the matter is that uh, my parents, both being chartered accountants, well, certainly my father being a chartered accountant, uh, uh, was very insistent that I got myself a chartered uh, profession. And given that just about everyone else in my family were accountants or something like accountants, I I, I, had, I just had to do something different. And I was very lucky that uh, I was introduced to a son in uh, Norfolk, uh, well Norwich, called Mike Chapman, and uh, he took me into his office in Norwich and started me off in 1976, um, you know, as as just teaching me the ropes. Now, funny enough, his grandson is now working for me, uh, which... um, Small world. (laughs) <laughs> oh, it, it gets smaller than that, but I'll tell you some other time <laughs> how that all came around. It was, uh, it's, uh, it's, quite bizarre. But uh, he's, uh, so, he's
0: so you started. So you got started in your in your survey career in a small practice.
1: Yes, basically yes. I mean, sorry, yes. Uh, um, Mike um, initially was a uh, well. I think uh, uh, I think his son Dermot is still um, one, uh, basically a one man band, uh, but it's a, an old established business in in Norfolk. And uh, but he was very insistent that. Um, Um, Around that time, they were just moving from the old Article Clark concept of of, of, um, qualifying to be a surveyor to moving to allowing degree students to become surveyors. Now, that's a thought, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Mike was very insistent that uh, I take the opportunity to get off onto a degree course and uh, go that way because... um, he, he, well he, he knew how hard it was to do the old articles I, I don't suppose many people know about you know the old articles approach to getting into surveying but uh,
0: no what so what was that
1: it, it, it was the old-fashioned fashioned, um, almost apprentice route basically you you, you went in uh, to a, an established firm of surveyors and you went through all the RICS uh, uh, professional exams which took about in all about five years and uh, you were expected to do a day release or 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 well, actually, just working your spare, uh, learning your spare time, and um, that was the way char- charters of were did learn and uh, did qualify up until, well, I mean, as I say, the mid nineteen seventies when I started uh, coming into this profession. The RICS uh, then sort of allowed the um, the use of well, the the degree route to, to come in. Before then, they only allowed people who had a degree from Reading University and perhaps one or two others like Sir to. You know not have to go through the exams uh, as i understand it you know um but um yeah I, I i sort of uh eventually uh uh moved on to a full-time course in my case it was up in uh, staffordshire which uh, coming from my background in norfolk was a quite an interesting alternative place to go to <laughs> <laughs> and i i, I learned a lot by uh, you know uh, uh, working or, or um doing my degree in, in the potteries actually so uh, but um Sorry, I, I'm probably digressing a bit. So, no, uh, no, it's fine, it's where fine. Where you we on the roots? <laughs> so,
0: you, so you're working with Mike and you got qualified. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah, basically, I just uh, started off uh, uh, by having a, a sort of uh, a summer with him. I actually never went to work for him again after that, but I went off to college. I uh, made sure I had summer jobs with people like Savills in Norwich and uh, and uh, who, who were a very different practice to what they are now in those days, but that, thereby... thereby there's another story about that too. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> and and I've I actually uh, uh, got my degree in the early 80s, I think it's about like 80, 81 or 82 now. And um, uh, so at that point, I moved down to London. I joined a well-known property company of this time called Capital and Counties as a property manager in Knightsbridge and Belga- Belgravia. And uh, basically, I started doing what, what we called in those days, the test of professional competence, which was... Uh, keeping a diary and then uh, we didn't have to do a, an interview but we we had to do a diary for two years and then do a project which we passed up to our, the assessors and if we passed all that we we got our what was the equivalent of a member of the RICS in, uh, in mm-hmm. those days which was actually an associate of the RICS and uh, but that was an interesting period of time because um, I was very much more in the commercial uh, line in those days. I reckon after a year of uh, yeah, I might have to write a, write a book about what happened during that year. Do <laughs> you know um, what,
0: I bet there's so many surveyors who could write uh, a book yes. that's never published.
1: <laughs> and yeah, so, so, you know, I, I reckon, let's just say after about 18 months of working in Capco, I realised property management wasn't really my thing. But I don't think there's anyone living who remembers the sort of thing which got on. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> so, so. Uh, Probably the next thing we're going to have is a telephone call for an old contact site. I remember that well. <laughs>
0: so how did you get into residential then?
1: Well, actually, I didn't really move into that area until quite some years later, actually. Um, for about six years, I, I went to work for Chesterton's, which in those days was purely a West End firm. But during that six-year period, we moved from uh, being uh, just uh, West End to being a nationwide, actually, international firm. And I was just at that age where they, they wanted associate partners who could sort of you know, be, be in London one day or, or Bristol the next day or up in Glasgow. And I eventually ended up having a small time over there in Hong Kong with them, which is very nice and very interesting. But then we had the, a very big recession in the early 1990s, uh, at which point it really sort of... It's at that point I was just... Young family was around in those days and I was, mm-hmm. I was to trek up from... Surrey to London every day and you know it was a a Russian uh, existence you know sort of six o'clock in the morning start well lots of people know it at least they they knew it before lockdown in any case and um, so I decided to uh, sort of take the plunge and uh, start off on my own which I I started in 1991 and uh, and, uh, it, it might surprise me I might just backtrack a bit. My my specialist area within uh, the Chesterton's was in commercial investment work, investment trading, investment brokerage, that sort of thing. And surprise, surprise, actually, once you come out of London and uh, start working in a place like Surrey, there's not a lot of demand for that. <laughs> 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 so um, I, I, I recognised that I had to sort of retrain myself. And um, and, and I, 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 yes, I. but in those days, they're really, you know, it was a question of uh, thinking on your feet and having to develop uh, your, your own, your, well, put us, uh, the, the, the retraining facilities which we now have, like, which obviously the likes of Blue Box and Sava provide, weren't necessarily around, you see. And so it was a question of having to go back to per, first principles and work up a type of service you could offer your clients. And, um, and to give you some idea, I mean, the, the home bar report w- was only in its infancy in those days. But... Uh, you, you sort of suddenly realize you've got to make a living so you start knocking on estate agents doors in the area you start realizing sort of the, there are clients who want to know about the property that they're buying and you start building up a re, uh, your own style of report and and you suddenly realize that all those uh, all those lectures you 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 went to back at college about how to put a brick toge- uh, together and how to put walls together and you know how, how to structure the a building you realize actually it was something you needed to know <laughs> <laughs> and uh, really it, it, it's from there it just I, I suppose i actively retaught myself how to do um actually this yes uh, um how to do a a a home buyer report, and then eventually move on to a building survey. And I actually sort of learnt in that fashion, which um, probably is anathema to anyone who uh, looks at these. You the know
0: what it, it is because a lot of people. Obviously, we've got the RICS guidance, you mm. know, and their levels one, two, three, and the new home survey standard, which comes out yep. in, in December yep. 2020. You know, but still, but I think we need. You, you know, they weren't there. No, they, they there was nothing you know and it's it's really hard to to, co- to comprehend that and you do wonder what the whole claims landscape was like obviously it was very different there's been a lot of precedent and, and court cases since then you know
1: Thank you for saying it but it wasn't there either to be honest I mean the fact is that uh, and uh, this is something I find I often talk to uh, my new partners uh, from friend of thought because they're, they're of my own age and uh, you know it was a situation where you know if we did evaluations quite often we didn't Throwing a uh, comparables, we just, people actually went by what you said. And, and um, it, it, the, the landscape for the profession has completely changed in the last 40 years. And, uh, you know, it was, it, back in the, those days, it was very much the fact that uh, they actually took you by your word. Quite quite often, the fact being that um, we, didn't, we didn't have Right Move Plus, we didn't have all this information we have available now. So, to a degree, uh, it, it was down to, yeah, the, 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 the surveyors own knowledge you know and, and by the same token okay we had had some uh, sort of fairly fruity uh, negligence cases which had happened before the uh, in the years before while I was training but they weren't as you know the, the, the losses weren't as bad as they are now and um, so it was a simpler life I suppose I can say that much. Yeah, I, I might, there I might be thought, people contr- can, can just contradict me, but uh, I think it, I thought
0: it was yes. Yeah, but I, and I and I guess in many ways you might think it's simpler. That there's a suite of report types that can be done, and services offer, but that actually complicates <laughs> complicates things, I guess. But the thing that hasn't changed, I don't think, but surveyors do forget, is that you can still look at your customers, yeah, and work out what your customers need. You know yeah. the the. The home buyers, the building surveys, the whatever services, standard types are out there. They are just a tool and a template and you can add on the whistles and bells and colored paper and sparkly writing if that's the way that you want to do it. But it's coming back to, and it's something that I talk about in the uh, small business mastermind that, that I run at Bluebox, is that there is such a thing as an ideal client. Mm.
1: Oh, yeah. Even,
0: yeah. You know, even even for surveyors, you know, you don't just have to take right. on whatever survey work is, work is yeah. coming. But starting to look at that and think, OK, well, what work do I want to do? What can I do? Mm-hmm. And using your you know your your resources and the, the skills and everything that's brought you to today means that you can you can do that and people feel they need to retrain and become experts in this that and the other but actually some of these things are, are really simple you know yeah. we can we go over complicated.
1: it I think you're very true I think um I, I have to admit that the the suite of uh, the, the 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 home buyer well the the uh, home survey suite which is available now is a godsend frankly I mean uh, I mean, here I am at the other end of my career and I'm, I'm an employer and I'm, I'm, I'm so very glad that they're there because we have, we have a framework to work from. I mean, in terms of training new, new, new staff, and people coming into business, it's great. You know, you've got a framework to work off. But um, what I'm now spending a lot of time with every, all the guys here is to, to, to actually explain that, okay, that's a framework and that's as far as you need. You've got to understand how, you know, you know what clients are after. I mean, pretty well saying what you're saying. You, you've got to really understand how to be personal with what you say. I think that's part and parcel of, of where the growth of this business has come through because we seem to have built a reputation of, of telling people the way it is as opposed to just putting a number. And that, that's, uh, I've had a lot of comments from clients that um, when they get a report, okay there's a lot of personal comment in there, although it's around a framework, which is fairly stratified, you know. And and, um, long may that be the case, because I think, you know, surveying, child surveying, whatever you want to call it, I mean, is is a very personal, uh, it's a a very unusual profession. It's not as stratified as the legal profession, and it's certainly not as uh, regulated as the accounting profession. But, you know, this whole concept of people and property go together means it is very personal. And I think that's that's right the way across the board, actually, between, you know, whether it's sort of uh, someone buying their first flat or whether it's someone, if you're doing a £7.5 million mansion for, uh, for someone, they want the personal touch. Sometimes, bizarrely, you know, you might find that, I'll have a client which I might have, you know, spent ages doing a lovely, great, all singing, all dancing, building survey report. They'll look at it, they'll look at the front page, say, should I buy it? And that's it. And and, and basically, you know, you say yes or no. <laughs> and and, and that's, that's where, you know, I suppose you've got, I suppose from my point of view, and that—that's what I think every every uh, one coming into this business should aim for. You've got to get to that situation where you're—you are—you are a true professional. You have to sit there and f- say, if if you were buying this, are you happy with it? You know, we're the guys who've got all the, the range of knowledge. You know whether it's sort of whether that uh, roof is sound, whether the foundations are roughly okay. You know whether the service is good. Whether. They, you know, we have such a wide range of knowledge about a property, whether it's residential or commercial, that you know that's what your client is after because <laughs>
0: mm, that that's really interesting because a lot of surveyors will say, and even I've said it you know i can't I can't tell you yes, you should buy it, and mm. you know, I could tell you absolutely don't you know this is a a problem, but sometimes we we feel we can't say yes you should buy it because you don't know their financial circumstances and my appetite oh, yeah. for risk of diy on a property is very different to to someone someone else's yes but there's a lot that you can do to ha- and more than we that we as surveyors can do to help people get to that answer themselves so it's a no-brainer yeah you know, it should be very clear to them whether they should buy it or, or not buy it
1: yes i i, I suppose um one of the things, I don't know whether it's haunted me or not, but uh, uh, in a way, my, my, my career path, the path has been very different to a lot of surveyors in that back in the 80s and the 90s when I was involved with investment brokerage, you know, when you're buying a, a, a commercial investment and a client needed to know very quickly whether that money was going to, it really was down to um, gut reaction as to whether a property could be bought. And it could be anything between a um, a shop in St Andrews for two hundred thirty thousand or an eighteen million pound office building in the city. Should they buy it? And they needed to know quickly. So there's a lot Mm. of background done. But I suppose with that sort of uh, approach to risk, I've tended to keep that going through my my lifestyle. And so I I probably do stick my neck out a lot more. But
0: but I guess that also comes from knowing your client really well. You know, if you know your Knowing your you,
1: patch as well. I knowing
0: think, your client, knowing your knowing your patch, and then knowing the property, you can come to that conclusion
1: more think, than most. I think that's you, true. I mean, sorry, yes, yes. Yeah, you go on. No, I mean, I think uh, you, you, Some one of my ex-managers uh, always made the point that um, you have to be lucky in business, but if you work, you know, sometimes it's along the lines of, you know, funny, the harder you work, the, the, the luckier you are. And in actual fact, that's very true. You do have to spend a lot of time making sure you know your background, understanding things, you know, um, getting a feel for what's really happening in the market. And then being able to apply that to the physics of the physical attributes of any property, as such. And uh, yes, I'm, I've often been told that I work, work too hard. <laughs> but um, well,
0: well, just the <laughs> fact that you've been working for four, forty years makes you sound like the oldest person I've ever met. But you don't look that like that at all. I have to say. <laughs>
1: i enjoy what i'm doing <laughs>
0: <laughs> and it's a, and you know i i think sometimes with surveying we should look at it as a vocation it's just something we do oh, i think it is than, than a business you know
1: i think that that that's that's very true i mean in fact is um you know i've been lucky enough to meet some very very well-known property investors over the years and so on and they again you know they never stop working they never stop you know it's, everything's ticking over their mind you know and uh, i think that's probably um true about property i mean if you you know you can definitely do it in this profession and uh it's amazing the more you think about it how, how sort of you see different angles and what could be happen- happening mm. sorry in a case I, I'm, yeah, I could, I'm, one, I'm digressing I'm probably...
0: one of the things i often talk about is work-life integration mm. in that you know we talk about this perfect work-life balance of juggling yeah. the kids and home life or you know getting the right number of hours at work and earning uh, enough money mm. but actually if you're not true to yourself and you're not bringing that your authentic self to the way that you work and who you work with and, you know, at home, it, it's okay. You know, when you go on holiday and you get to, you're spotting all the buildings that are falling yeah. down in Greece and, and things like that, you know, as surveyors, we've all done it. We've all done it, you know, uh, but it's, uh, and, and saying that that's okay. You know, very often with this work-life balance, whilst we, I, we do need a balance, it can be really hard work being the parent or being the person at home for the for the family or whatever and then actually wearing that other hat of I'm at work I can't think about home and yes. things and you mentioned at the start of your your journey you know uh, working for yourself it was well actually you've got a young family and it was the, the commute how yes. how has your work life balance changed over the years and do you think you've ever got it right
1: uh, <laughs> well um I'm starting to get it right. <laughs> I've just—I um, I say this much. I, I've just spent six months actually only doing a five-day week, which is—I've uh, been told by my better half that you know she, she's been quite forceful about it because uh, uh, I spent far too many t- far too many years doing at least six days and probably more. Yeah, yeah. I mean, not like a lot of my peer group. It seems, well, not, not not everyone, but uh, it, it, it's it's had its toll i think uh, because in uh, midst of it all there was a divorce and uh, uh, everything to go with that and um um and and it, it for, for that that happened out of for for very many reasons but certainly you know, the, the, the not getting the balance right would be part of it as such. And mm. I think that is something everyone should be very well aware of. And, I, and what I do appreciate, I've, I find it amazing, that I've, I've come to live with it now and I understand it very well now, but when I started employing uh, the next generation, initially I was thinking, well, they're actually wanting lunches and they're actually wanting to go home at five o'clock. But then, you know, then I woke up to the fact, actually, yeah, it's true. They're they're, they're sort of, what I do like about the next generation is they do think about you know, getting the balance right in a way that we probably, you know, a lot of a lot of my generation happened or didn't, you know, in fact, uh, you know, it, it does come hard when, for, you know, for the first time uh, in your life, you get told you're old school, you know, you think, I never thought I was. <laughs> 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 um, but uh, no, it's, in actual fact uh, a very nice period of my life was when I originally came out of uh, the West End and went to work you know was working from home over in Bagshot and um, that was a time when the children were young and you know I was around a little bit more just for a few years before things uh, took off a bit there but um, yeah I mean it's uh, I, I'm, I'm glad to say that you know part and parcel of what's happening Well, but certainly what's happened over the last few months is that I think there's now a very real opportunity for um people to have very effective work life. And and we're already finding with, with, with my team here that um it's far more effective to have people working over Zoom and getting out seeing properties and less of the come into the office, more of the actually getting on with what, what matters most. And um, the feedback so far is that um no, I don't well, I don't think we're gonna change now. Hmm. Which is which is the reason why I'm sitting in a very large office all on of my own. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's a that's a really interesting point because the focus isn't on coming back into the office and being seen to do your job. The focus no. is on how yeah, do you yeah. engage as a team, how do you do the work yeah. as a as a team.
1: Yeah, I, I have to admit this is where uh, again Goldman Sachs and the 10Ks been really really supportive over the summer. Though we spent a lot of time, you know sitting back thinking about, you know, re-engineering the the future as such. And uh, so we are now getting to the point, although it hasn't yet happened, of making sure we have a sort of uh, a morning meeting, say twice a week, which is purely Zoom-based, so that we get the immediacy going, although, you know, we're not actually all in the same room. I mean, it's got to be part of the new normal that, um, you know, we have to operate like that, because I can't see things changing very much for the foreseeable future in terms of being able to get everyone in the same roof and so on.
0: Yeah. So yeah. So when we um, were introduced a, a number of years ago, I, we had a discussion about the number of women in surveying because yeah. that's been my bag for a, a number of years to in, to increase the number of women in surveying, and, and things are, are changing. But you've actually got a number of women who work for you, haven't you? Tell me about that.
1: Yes. I mean, it's um, there. There was a there was a situation about two years ago where there was only about. In fact, I think I was the only man in the business. And uh, it it got talked about between, you know, and then thankfully we started balancing it a bit. But um, no, it's it it wasn't meant to be that way. It just happened. I I suppose it it was circumstances such that um, I wanted to start this training scheme, which um, um, it's not not some vast training scheme. I've only sort of uh, spent, I've only trained up about. Five uh, surveyors now, and um, we're probably going to be starting to look to do the same again. The um, thing is, training, you know, especially if you take on the cost of training, is very expensive. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it's got to be done. <laughs> but, uh, however, it turned out that we just happened to have the first three uh, members of the scheme. Literally, one was a, a, a very bright girl who uh, was initially just doing my typing. And then she sort of said, "I fancy knowing more about this." So I said, "Come and have a look at what I do." And then she ended up uh, being one of um, I think uh, she, she must have qualified in about the quickest time possible with Saba and uh, then sort of going through to do everything else. I think she was in the, it went from start to finish in just over two years, which is absolutely unheard. Of. Wow, yeah. And then um, the next one, Cat. She was. Um, uh, she just someone I found so she was very keen she was a physiotherapist and she was a bit fed up with physiotherapy in the NHS and again that was uh, along the lines of you know she was generally interested because knowing the complexities of a bo- body she thought well a house can't be that bad sort of thing and uh, so again she went through the system and she's qualified she qualified took a bit longer I suppose and then I've got two others who are just coming to the end of their uh, qualification and uh although i was looking well i was open-minded as to who came into the business it's more a question of the fact of uh, picking the people who really look like they had the ability to really get down to it and so on and uh, as as it would happen um we, we, we we've, we've well at the moment we just about sort of balancing out the male female balance within the business but um, I have to admit that uh, it, it wasn't me sort of turning around and saying I must have more women in the business. It was a question that they came in and they they worked very, very hard. They are now all very good surveyors. And if anything, I find that, especially if they're you know, going out to look at a house, they probably look at a house a different way than I do. I mean, I, I think there's, uh, you know, as, I, as I order reports from time to time, well, as, as I have to, it's quite strange that they, you know, you know, you'll, you'll find a comment made, which is very personal, which, if I might say, a man wouldn't make, you know. <laughs> um, and, 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 and I'm not meaning that in any derog- derogatory fashion, it's just it's just that sort of, how uh, can I say, it's a, a more sensible, sensitive thing which, you know, I can't imagine any of the, any of my mm. peer group ever made as such. And, and, uh, and I suppose you're going to ask me for an example, and I can't remember one. So. <laughs> well,
0: no, and that, and, that, and that does resonate. And mm-hmm. you know, <laughs> ultimately, you know, men and women are different. Our brains are different. We're wired in a different way. Of course, we can all do the same job and mm. there's that whole sort of equality piece. And, you know, I, can't, I think you're very lucky and privileged to have had so many women <laughs> come and oh, work for goodness. you. And, you know, but, and I guess really my question for you is then, did you, have you noticed the dynamic of your office and the culture changed with more women um, than, than, than having sort of a, quite a masculine culture?
1: Yes, definitely. I mean, I, I suppose a, a better way of p- p- putting it is if I compare that to c- companies I've worked with before, where there is a very masculine domination. Definitely, I've said it to everyone here, and I'll say it again. This is out of all the companies I work for, this is one I've most enjoyed working for. Even, well, what am I talking about? I know it's mine, but you know, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it, it, it's just there is a completely different mindset there is a sort of very positive uh, attitude of a can-do um, towards any job. I find that probably more so than any other sort of senior position, I get asked a lot more questions. And I know that uh, every every time I give an answer, it's taken on board. And sometimes that didn't happen in the past. You know, if you had a junior member of staff who uh, perhaps um, took a view that he knew more than he knew, just took a view on things. You, you could end up in a big problem, as such. So, um, I mean, I think um, yes, there is a definite uh, uh, alternative look on things. And I think it's uh, if I'm simply to say, this is the business I've enjoyed. This is the business I enjoy or have or I am enjoying most of all. It's a lot to do with the mindset within mm. my, 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 my co-workers, as such.
0: Yeah, and, and that and ultimately that comes down to greater diversity the mm. range of people that you have uh, oh, yes. you know, that yes. are working for you. Uh, oh, can yes. I, yes. Can I ask you, have you ha, – so, you know, just going back to the start where I was asking about <laughs> – we were talking about shopping for businesses. Mm. Have you always thought of yourself as a as an entrepreneur?
1: No, I've been told I am, though. That's the trouble. It's um, – uh, I've um, – I don't know. I suppose um, – I suppose, uh, put, put, putting my finger on it, right, yes, I probably have, actually. I mean, I wouldn't have – If I wanted a sort of nice, easy, easy sedate surveying life, I probably would have gone back to Norwich, where where I come from. But even at an early age, I decided I wanted to get down into the wild West End and see what happened and uh, see where we go from there. And there's no doubt about it: if you um, work for any of these West End agencies, uh, you know, if you weren't entrepreneurial in your thought, you wouldn't advance very far. And um, so, so I suppose, you know, I, I, I found I sort of have kept that with me all the way through my working life and and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't
0: (laughs) you know that's that's the thing with with being an entrepreneur and I see there are lots of lots of surveyors out there who would like to work for themselves perhaps Mm. aren't brave enough to make the 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 steps Mm. Uh, and that's largely because they've not been shown how you know they've not got the the role models to show them how it could work or the or the support and that's a lot of what we do at, at blue box these days yes. but i think you're right that that entrepreneurial spirit is really about not being afraid of failure or right. knowing that you know you might fail but you'll learn so much more from oh, it. Yeah. And, you mm. know, we've, you know, you've, with you shopping for your, your businesses and, and your ups and downs over the 40 years, you've obviously built off a, a lot of resilience and you said, you know, this is a business I don't want to make any more, any mistakes on. How mm. do you think you've, you've done that? Or what are some of the big lessons learned?
1: Uh, well, over the years? Uh, mm. Well, I, I think um, the, the biggest lesson is not to get yourself steeped in debt. And that—that that is really where I—I I know I found a degree of failure, you know, back before the last uh, financial crash, and I—I I think that some of my fellow directors um, of the company I was with at the time would agree that that was my biggest failing. I—I I find myself. Um, And and, and that had happened because of a mixture of uh, very expensive divorce and things like that. It wasn't just down to, you know, living it up or anything like that. Far from it. It it was, uh, you know, one of those things where, you know, messy divorce, school fees, university Mm. support, that sort of thing. All these things which really affect someone coming through their middle age with a family sort of thing. And I suppose that, that that's the one thing I would say to anyone. You know, just don't let the debt get out of the way. You know, if if you're not surviving by being self-employed, get a job quickly, because I think the Goldman Sachs course I've been on—they made it quite quite clear that only some like. Uh, 6% of the working population work for themselves. That's some figure I seem to remember. But out of that lot, only about 10% actually survive or, uh, beyond about a three to four-year period. I mean, and um, and even then, survival, what is survival in uh, in in an SME situation? It doesn't mean to say you're calling your business or it is the same business, you know, at the end of that three-year period. You have to move, you have to see what's going on. I mean, uh, part of that programme meant we got um, some really interesting almost one-to-one lectures with some very very bright people from uh, Oxford University people who 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 spend a lot of time looking at small businesses and uh, where people can go wrong and um so so, uh, I'm probably digressing a bit. Yeah no
0: well I, I think I think you're right it is about you know just like you've got to understand the work that you do. Yes. In your, in your business as a surveyor, you've got to understand the work that you do and your business as, a, as an entrepreneur or as a, a, a SME, self-practitioner, whatever you want to choose to call yourself. And that means getting the right kind of support, but also learning about the finance, learning about where, where does your income come from? Who are your ideal clients? What's your most profitable work? What's your hourly rate? Yes. do you know your do you know your alley rate if, and if you were honest with yourself and that included the seven days that you were working <laughs> you no know, but then and then also to look at, to then Get have the confidence and, and to get coached or support on knowing how to charge what you're worth yeah you know a lot of, a lot of these people who charge really low fees you know they they don't understand how fees and and the market works and, and actually they're undervaluing themselves, not just just everybody else so so charging what you're worth and having the learning how to have the confidence to do that, and for me, one of the things I would say is have an accountant you can talk to oh,
1: yes. yes very the much most
0: so. stupid questions ever. You know, I I, I forget things all the time, but I've got an accountant and that gives you that (laughs) gives you that reassurance, you know, because actually your brain is, you know, I talk about surveying superpowers and your superpower is being the surveyor and spotting the defects or doing the valuation. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily working out the finances in your business. That doesn't mean you can't be an entrepreneur and you can't be a sole you know, self trader or small business. Yep. It means that you get the support in where you where you need it.
1: I, I think that's 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 a, a very very uh, important point there because uh, that's uh, another um, massive positive about this business. I've been so lucky. I've got a practice manager who um, she's run a business herself before, and she's she's. Not an accountant, but she is, and and it, it helps so much to be able to have uh, you know absolutely up to the minute uh, accounts, so you know exactly you know what's happened every month, especially as you're growing from you know mm. this 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 business literally uh, it's literally grown from just you know a seventy thousand pound turnover to something like ten times that, and it's going to go f- further than that, assuming we get a decent year in the next um, year or so. You know, mm. and, and, and when you're at that level, you do need to know you know where it's all going as such and um um and i think that that is um probably something i didn't look at so closely in the past and uh i'm very keen to make sure that well it it will, it will never change now but, uh, but so yes you, you touched on some important points there i mean um because i think we uh, we are a uh, a profession where it is very easy to just be a one man band working from home and um it is very and, and quite simply, when you're in that situation with virtually no overheads and um, and, an, and a reasonable level of PI, that sort of thing, you, mm. you don't really have to charge that much to make a living, you know. And um, it, that that sometimes um, is counterproductive, you know. I think uh, we we come across. Uh, well, I, I know we've had to sort of save some people, clients as well as practitioners who. Um, uh have got themselves stuck in a in a problem because they've got themselves into a a low fee low fee situation and mm. they, they've got out of their depth they 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 don't have the backup to um uh, to sort matters out and um and clients uh have uh, probably taken advantage of them and mm. um so you know at least by just being a little bit bigger we can we can come in and sort of talk to people frankly about what they should be doing and how they should be doing it and you know, mm. the fact that you you do you do need um proper coverage support and PI cover and everything like that, which um doesn't come cheap, you know. And um no. I mean no. but um no, I mean I I suppose in 30 years time someone else will be having the same conversation with <laughs> not necessarily us, but someone else and we'll be saying the same thing, I suppose. But um it, it's one of those things, you know, it's you you, you uh, yeah you, you
0: but but you know when you when you charge what you're worth mm-hmm. and you get paid what you're worth...
1: It makes a massive difference.
0: Oh, it doesn't... It really does make you feel like you're valuing yourself. Yeah. And it's that motivation to get out of bed.
1: Oh, very much. <laughs> You know? It is very true. Yeah. You, know, you, you know, and, and you the first and I tell you what the first shock is when you when you sort of get to that point of saying okay I'll I'll do it but that's what I'm going to charge and they turn around and say yes we'll pay you you know yeah <laughs> oh I, might, I can't be that bad can't I? And,
0: I, and I think also you know there's a tactic that some surveyors use to price themselves out so they don't yeah. get offered the a job but you yeah. know what you can just say no it's a lot easier just to say no that job's not for me
1: absolutely I think um I mean all I think uh, that that is. Um, I find that easier to do with the expert work because um,
0: mm. you know you.
1: you um, after seven years of doing expert work, I uh, uh, I know what I like and I know what I don't like, and um, and uh, I, 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 and you know you you do get to the point of saying, do I really want to spend three years on uh, being an expert on why a patio hasn't been laid properly and things like that? And you say to yourself, Well, this could get very, very sort of emotional one yeah <laughs> i don't yeah. want to do that you No, know, but um, <laughs> but yes you're right you should um you should always know your um your capabilities and make sure you don't get yourself um in too deep and um be happy to say no if you, you or or um, you know suggest someone else if uh, if you don't think you're the right person i we, yeah. we regularly do that you know i think uh,
0: well look well look nick it's been really good to talk to you and hear about your journey uh, thanks very much for your time
1: <laughs> thank you indeed it's good to speak to you too
0: you've been listening to the surveyor hub podcast we'd love it if you leave a review and let us know how we're doing and if you want to find out more about how we're making a difference visit us at blueboxpartners.com